Welcome to the School of Self-Worth, a podcast for ambitious women who know they are worthy of an astoundingly great life. Join us weekly as we redefine success, set and sustain boundaries, and reclaim self-worth. I'm your host, Nicole Song, an award-winning journalist who left it all behind to become a best-selling author of three books and work-life balance coach, helping ambitious women live an aligned life filled with clarity and confidence. Every week, I'll bring you diverse and meaningful conversations with successful women from all walks of life who share their insights about what it takes to be brave, joyful, and yourself every day. Every single episode is thoughtfully designed to leave you feeling empowered with tangible tips and advice that will lead you to your next breakthrough. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of School of Self-Worth. I had the incredible opportunity to sit down with Ebony Isis Booth, a life alchemy coach and cultural strategist. In this remarkable conversation, Ebony shares about how she shifted from constant achievement to a softer place in her life. Like so many, her journey to self-worth started with a desire to be seen, heard, and loved. If you're a high-achieving woman of color looking to up-level your connection to who you are and to know on a deep level that you are living in your purpose, this conversation is for you. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to welcome Ebony Isis Booth to the show. Welcome to the School of Self-Worth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I was trying, I had to silence myself before we even started the conversation and recording because I feel like, Ebony, you have so many interesting things in your background. Like you're an artist, you're a coach and cultural strategist, used to host a television show, you were a poet and writer. She's a 2006 National Poetry Slam champion. And then as soon as I hear someone with like a really diverse background of so many different projects and things, and I think about that in the context of self-worth, I start to think, well... How did you grow into this place where you could even begin to do so many of the things that you've done in your life? So I know this is a super open question. And for many people, you know, it does go back to like, how was that journey of self-worth for you to even begin to start to do some of these things? And then we can get more into like the current day, like how does that look for you? But I'm curious if that we could open up with that. Yeah, I think that it's a really timely and beautiful question um, only because I feel like I literally just finished talking to my therapist about this like 10 minutes ago. So, um, <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> but I, I really do believe that I, my journey to self-worth, it's all been a part of everything that I've done has been in search of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been this deep desire to be seen and to be heard and to be loved. Mm. And so to think about what I have in me, um, what I sound like Mama Rose, what I've got in me, uh, (laughs) but, but all of the things that are innately present in me and my personality, the opportunities that have presented themselves, the, um, the invitations to show up in spaces always seem like these glimmers of um, invitations to find value and visibility and community and and love and partnership. Now, while I was experiencing experiencing them, I wasn't aware that that's what it was. This is total hindsight. But at the time, a lot of it was wrapped up in deep insecurity, in um, resilience, in frustration, in a fight, in this like youthful angst and vigor to say like, I'm here, you're going to see me, I'm going to make it happen. And so now at this place, I'm noticing that the armor that I built over the years in face of systems, employers, partners, friend groups, um, and a world essentially that was designed to erase and obfuscate me, separate me from myself and my divinity. Um, those those challenges were, the, the armor that I developed while I was overcoming those challenges and winning those wars um, is not so necessary anymore. So I've reached this place where um, 
I have better boundaries, you know, um, better boundaries around my energy. My motivation is different. Um, so it has a different texture and tone and sheen to it in the way that I work. Um, but at the time, back in the day, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old me was, I mean, a force to be reckoned with. I was an ice queen, <laughs> queen <laughs> of swords, right? Like fire and ice and, and piss and vinegar and um, a lot of frustration, if not flat out rage. But learning um, how to master that and learning how to see myself as inherently worthy um, has probably been one of the most rewarding experiences. Um, I'm just glad I made it this far to be able to witness it. Mm, beautiful. What would you say then for you, like you had that era, and I think for a lot of, especially women at that time, you're like trying to figure out exactly who you are and it comes mm. out in all these different ways, right? Yeah. What would you say puts you on that journey to even recognizing it? Cause I loved how you said, you didn't know until now what you were actually craving was to be loved, seen, and heard, which to me is like such a universal human experience. Like, don't we all want that? And yeah. then how did you even start that journey to noticing and understanding that's actually what you were craving, where it was coming out? And I'm curious how it was coming out for you at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there was a point in my life around 2017 um, where I was... I had maybe bitten off more than I could chew in my proving, right? Mm -hmm. So I had reached a point where I had survived so many things that I thought for sure were going to kill me, right? Um, and I looked up and looked at my life and realized that, okay, this is not sustainable. The pace, the tenor, the 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 feeling, the energy, the exhaustion, um, the financial stress that I found myself in was just like, I, it, it wasn't going to work anymore. And that really happened during a time where uh, for five years, I was kinship guardian to my niece and nephew. Um, they came to live with me in a state of emergency um, when they were seven and nine years old. And so I, you know, I, had come from this very, you know, artistic, free spirited lifestyle. And then all of a sudden became an auntie mom. Mm. And so the pressures of survival that were no longer just about me, but were about the quality of life that these children were going to experience and the healing that they would need in order to not grow up bitter because of the hand that they were dealt at that particular time really forced me to go inward and do my work. Mm. Um, I realized that it wasn't sustainable and it wasn't good for them. And I was recreating cycles and behaviors that were patterned to me by folks who raised me who were also in survival mode. So um, that was really my call to change. And I remember my first, I had an executive leadership coach that I got through a fellowship, which had never dawned on me that was even possible. Um, so I was very skeptical in going into that first session. And she was so compassionate in the visibility that I had been seeking, where when she saw me, she's like, wow. And she's looking at my resume and all the things that I had accomplished. And I'm just sitting there like dish rag tired, right? From life. <laughs> like I barely got it together to make the plane to get to the convening for this comp for this fellowship. And she says, you know, what was it like? How did you create this life for yourself with all of these accomplishments in this resume? And I was still a little bitter pants and was like, I mean, it was hell. I went through hell. And she goes, and what did you learn in hell? And I was like, oh, <laughs> You can learn. <laughs> it's like, I learned some stuff. I do know some things. I did survive. I am okay. Um, and that really, for me, started this particular stage of healing um, that was with intention and curiosity and a lot of courage and compassion and self-forgiveness and, mm. you know, um, allowance and acceptance as mistakes not being mistakes, but rather lessons and opportunities to choose again. Um, and it's all been up and bumpy, like sometimes a steep incline, but up nonetheless since then. 
I love that she asked you that question because that's what I think all the time. Like no matter how hard life can feel or how challenging or failures that are happening or whatever it is that's going on, two children landing in your lap to raise, right? That there is always something to learn. And when we are not reflecting on that, that's when we're hard on ourselves. Or at least I find that for myself. Like I'm really hard on myself if I'm not saying, oh, okay, there was a lesson in there. Can I see that lesson? And that's the gold for me to mine. And that's how I'm going to go to the next stage. Or I could just be like, oh man, you really messed that one up and you're just, you know, whatever it is that that hardness can come in. And I'm curious for you if like that's one of the things that's helped you since then. I mean, I want to say that it it has been a help and in some ways it hindered me because of how I was socialized towards excellence and miss misreading excellence as a call for perfection or righteousness Mm. and being right all the time. Um, Another thing that I learned at that early stage was the decision to pivot away from feeling like I needed to be perfect and allowing myself to be excellent. Um, So I think the pressure that I put on myself in striving for excellence was keeping me from being able to have compassion for myself when it came time to make mistakes and take risks and do a thing I'd never done before and say, I have no idea what I'm doing, but here I am. And I'm going to show up um, with the odds in my favor because I haven't, haven't spun off the planet yet. So I'm doing all right. You know? Mm -hmm. So again, that, that feeling to choose again, excellence is something that I embrace now. Um, in a more loving way. But I think for me, I used excellence as, um, I was, I got mad at it. I got tired of having to be excellent all the time. Like, can I just show up regular Dougala? Like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, a black girl named Ebony from Scotch Plains, New Jersey, like very, you know, not unexceptional in the way of like the expectations I think that we put on, women or, you know, by all these things. So I've had this kind of non-traditional journey toward um, womanhood that I would have liked to maybe ease into as opposed to have being like um, driven towards, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm also in my soft girl era. So (laughs) I'm 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 about that soft life. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's not excellent. Is it done though? Like, (laughs) <laughs> I love that. is it done is the question right so that's a great one is it done that's done is better <laughs> than perfect <laughs> so absolutely perfect. <laughs> absolutely well share with me then a little around how you know coming through all of these pieces and seeing it <clears throat> you have had like you have a lot of history of doing so much what does self-worth then look like for you these days then in the mm-hmm. soft girl era how does it feel um, how is that worth, you know, cause I, I'm curious, and this is what I'm hearing and please correct me if I'm wrong, that sometimes I'm coming from a fellow high achiever that a lot of times it is the resume. It is the accomplishments that is giving you that sense of self and giving you that sense of like worthiness in the world or value or whatever that pieces, those pieces look like. And then having to allow yours, like for me, I have to allow myself to be worthy and mm-hmm. accomplish because there are things I'm here to do and things that I need to do in the world. And I'm curious for you in your era, like, what does it look like? What does self-worth look like? What does it feel like? And how does it show up for you? Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that question. I, there's a couple things that come to mind. And I think the first one is I'm enough. I'm enough. Uh, there's no other version of me. I can't fail at being myself. That's just not possible. And so to go back to this idea of acceptance and allowance, really shifting my belief around my enoughness. And in that enough is, I mean, an like unfathomable amount of abundance and joy and love and humor and freedom and just a full expression of myself as a human being. So the experience of seeing myself as worthy is also important to me because I am reclaiming my humanity. 
from uh, from a world that is inherently dehumanizing the way that we are set up and structured. And so this idea that there is something else for me to achieve in order for me to get a certain salary, for me to um, take certain trips to be able to afford a certain handbag, or all of those things are um, these these tools. Audre Lorde calls them the master's tools. And the master's tools will not dismantle his house, she teaches us, right? So um, instead of me assigning worth to commodities or um, capitalism or trinkets and things, I really get into being in my body because that is my that is my most valuable thing is my physical, my flesh, my spiritual body. And so that wisdom of protection and maintenance and listening to my body is really how soft life is manifesting itself. And that looks like rest. It looks like drinking water. It looks like talking sweetly to myself. Um, it looks like having impeccable boundaries around my energy. Um, it really gives me the opportunity to, um, like uh, Dr. Nikki Elliott, who wrote, I Feel Your Pain, talks about, teaches us to be the thermometer or th- be the thermostat and not the thermometer, mm-hmm. right? So I, I get to focus on setting my temperature and my thermostat to be a radiant energy as opposed to um, an object that absorbs whatever the environment is offering. So because everybody in the room is boiling hot doesn't mean that my whole mood has to shift and now I'm uncomfortable. I get to set that thermostat because I am so in tune and aware of the fact that I'm a human being, flesh and blood, who's sitting here a whole miracle and surrounded by everyone else who I also identify as miracles. And I'm mostly in awe of the fact that all of us miracles have been led to be in community and space together at this moment in time. So that keeps me real easeful. Um, And there's really nothing else to achieve at that point. I just get to experience, you know? That thermostat metaphor is so resonant because I've heard it in the context of relationship. Like, are you the thermostat of the relationship and Mm -hmm. who's setting the, right? Who's guiding and and sort of setting the tone all the time. Mm -hmm. And I love how you're saying it's like, oh, in, in every context, Am I setting yeah. my own thermostat for how I want to be, how I want to feel? And yeah. then everyone else is doing their own thing as well. Yeah. I mean, like sometimes it gets a little hot in here and I'm like, okay, I'm unco- I'm hot. Why am I hot? Like, you know what I mean? Like to get mm-hmm. curious about the inner machinations of my being is a, is a privilege that was hard won. You know, I, I fought to get here. Um, and now that I am, it's like, oh, how can I protect when they say, you know, protecting my peace, this is what it means to me. This is what it looks like is to really be aware of where I, where peace lives within me from an embodied experience and perspective and not one that I need to, you know, necessarily go on a retreat to find those ways are helpful access points, but it's, it's always with me because I'm, as, as long as there's breath in my body, then it's accessible to me. Mm, yeah, that's so lovely. Well, where would you say then for yourself, like what is your actual literal practice of self-worth? You know, and you had, we had spoken a little bit too about how self-care is like a big topic for you right now. Mm-hmm. Like how do you actually embody that daily? Because it can mm-hmm. be challenging, I feel like, especially for, I know that a lot of the women listening are smart, capable. They're doing a lot in the world, many of them juggling families and work. And so what does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing that comes to heart is um, I feel my feelings. I honor my feelings. Um, And I I had to learn how to do that because I grew up ignoring or having my feelings be diminished like, oh, you're too emotional. You're too sensitive. You're too bossy. You're too, you know what I mean? And it's like, am I, or am I seeking agency because I'm worthy of that? Right. Or because I have expertise or experience in these ways. So as I honor my emotions, that helps me to understand what I need and my needs change. And sometimes my needs are being met 
And sometimes there are some things that I need that are, un- those needs are unmet. And when those needs are unmet, I get to determine through discernment, you know, what's what's the impact or ramification of an unmet need in ebony today, right? So do I really need a nap? Do I need to drink some water? Do I need a hug, right? I'm managing that for myself so that now I can express and articulate those needs in a very direct way, as opposed to being subversive to my own needs and betraying my higher self and my knowing of what I want. And now I'm out here, you know, siphoning off of places where I think I see an opportunity to meet a need, you know, Mm -hmm. that's an energy drain. Now I'm, now I'm in it where I'm like, instead of asking for a hug, I am lumbering about this space with my lip poked out. I'm pouting. I'm, you know, quiet and sullen and withdrawn. Like that's not, I'm not, I don't do that anymore. Right. So my, my, Biggest practice is to feel my feelings and to do that unapologetically, even the uncomfortable ones, um, to allow them to pass, to understand that I might feel multiple feelings um, at the same time, things that could be disorienting or hard, but it allows me to trust. What it's doing is allowing me to build trust with myself and it's allowing my body to be in alignment with my mind. So this mind-body alignment allows me to kind of harness and channel energy to get me through the things that I desire. I get to a place of creation and manifestation. Another practice is um, I practice magic at what I call magic or life alchemy, right? I'm a life alchemy coach, which is to say that um, magic is making apparent something that would otherwise be invisible. Sometimes we call it manifestation. Um, um, or, but f- essentially we are magic <laughs> AF, right? Um, inherently, and we have access to these elements that were given to us when we arrived here. And so what will we do to focus our intentions? So that means that like, if you do everything with intention, every surface is an altar, And what will you create? What is sacred in that space? How will you hold that space? How can I use the power of my thoughts for um, positive and and loving energy as opposed to anxious, worry energy or, you know, literally carving out new neural pathways for ideas to flourish? Um, And it it's I feel so. It's so wild to even hear these words coming out of my mouth because as I'm living, I'm creating it, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it comes to me and I'm like, man, where did that even come from? Because three years ago, seven years ago, I mean, like, uh, you know, I would have told me today, you're crazy lady, but um, it is possible. Um, healing is possible. Magic is very real and love is the answer. Um, I All of this has been a journey back to loving myself radically and unapologetically. And so when I ain't got it, I ain't got it. When I need to sleep, I sleep. Um, really meeting my basic human needs is the only path to self-actualization. So we want to skip ahead and get to like six figure salaries and degrees and all that stuff. And we want to bypass food, shelter, sleep, love, connection. And you just can't do it without having an encompassing grasp on these basic human needs that we are all inherently worthy of. We come here worthy of them. Um, But somehow we tell ourselves that we're too much we're too needy. Nobody has time for that. Nobody's going to help us. We don't have time for help. I'll just do it myself. And then we burn out on the way to the top of some hierarchical ladder that was built by the patriarchy. And we wonder why we're exhausted and out of place with our divine energy. And that's okay, but it's possible to to take another route, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the what you're saying first about the basic human 
needs is so important because I think sometimes it's very easy to be like, well, I don't need those needs. I need all the other things, but I don't need sleep or I don't need rest, um, not necessarily sleep, but downtime or taking care of myself in some other way or drinking water. So I love how you're framing it because I think sometimes it's so easy because I also work with women on this. I'm like, let's make sure every day you're putting yourself first in some way. And many of them can't even identify like any moment during the day where that's really occurring, right? Because they're just, yeah. from the second they wake up, they're gunning it all the way to the moment they go to bed. And I'm like, does that actually work for you? And it doesn't, mm-hmm. and yet they're still doing it. So I love what you're yeah. saying too. It's like when we're not even me- meeting basic needs, how can you expect your life to be different? How can you expect yourself to be able to create and have a life that feels really joyful without yeah. that foundation? Yeah. I mean, I I have so much compassion for like, I, I, my experience as a kinship guardian or auntie mom for, for those five years taught me a lot about gunning it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, fueling myself on caffeine. I was running on caffeine and whatever I, you know, broccoli florets and mac and cheese out of the pot when it's cold. Like, um, and I didn't get the, 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 the hormones and all the dopamine hits of infancy and childbirth that allow us, that condition us is in that maternal way to really have that nurturing gene where we do give up ourselves for the sake of these children, um, that we are here to steward. So I don't mean to, um, ever chastise anyone for the way that they are in relationship to self and self-care, mm-hmm. right? Because um, we're all going to come at it our own way. But I do know that I was able to notice that when I was not taking care of myself, I wasn't re- actually doing a good job taking care of the kids. Mm-hmm. Like the they got to school, but I don't know what my mood was like. I'm pretty sure I was vibrating at a frequency or an energetic frequency that, you know, was not emitting you know, love and, and harmony, right. you know, cause I was tired and exhausted and stressed out and trying to, I was in protector mode. And sometimes when we're our protectors and our managers are working overtime, those most tender parts of ourselves that need the most that have the basic need, they tend to be shy or afraid or incapable of coming out to pronounce that need or having that confidence that the need will be met if they expect it. And a lot of that comes from just how we're raised, how we're socialized. Um, so I have a ton of compassion for the challenge that is faced by the those of us who are high achievers. Um, I'm just at this place now where I am questioning the sustainability and really wondering who benefits from us burning out um, and to what end. And because it takes such a long time to unlearn, mm. I think that when we set these like the the smart goals of a time, uh, a measurable goal of when you're going to do it, right? When are you going to retire? When are you going to slow down? And it's like, in six years, I'm going to stop. And it's like, that's not how life, that's not how it works, mama. Like, it doesn't work like that. You know, um, it it doesn't just stop. And sometimes if it does just stop, it has a tendency to sit us down with illness. It can sit mm-hmm. us down in some other uncontrollable situation or some trauma where, you know, it's like you don't have a choice at that point. And I don't know that we have to go so hard that we sacrifice our bodies and our health and our wellness to some imaginary or arbitrary timeline or end date um, when we can really start to live in gentler ways and like literally re-nurture ourselves like we're infants first, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and those are things that I, that are free. They are, they are free. They are not at any risk or detriment to how much you love your children or your husbands or partners or your work. It's really just more love, more love for yourself yeah. first though, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I went through a separation divorce and I had stepkids previously too. So I relate to what you're saying around 
because I went into that whole relationship really intentional and taking care of myself. But what, by the time I was separated and living alone again, I realized how much I had given away. Like I had stopped really yeah. tuning into myself. And and then it was even hard like to ask myself, like what was my preference? Because I was always asking everybody else their preferences first and then mm-hmm. doing what they wanted because it was like, you know, the majority of the family wanted that. And like what I wanted didn't really feel like the t- feel and really from me, not from them, like it had a place. And so then I've had to come into this later years of saying, oh, well, I get to actually check myself first before Mm -hmm. asking what other people want so that we can come to it together versus me just saying, oh, no, 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 you choose. It's your way, how you want it and feeling that deference. Because I think, and that's a lot of what's driving it too. And like you said, it's like, what system ultimately, that was what was happening in that family I had. But also, what is it serving on a bigger level for us to be constantly in that burned out cycle of what everyone else needs, right? Mm -hmm. Us giving that away over and over again. Who does that serve ultimately? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that I I work with, with women in, in my coaching containers. And actually, it's been gendered expansive folks and and some men as well. I think it's just kind of a you know, one of those things where these systems are impacting us all, right? No matter how we show Absolutely. up or express ourselves in society, but um having these conversations where it's like not only who benefits, but like how where did you learn this? Like mm-hmm. where was this modeled? How long has this um, tendency or idea that has manifested and now turned into a belief been with you, mm-hmm. right? And where was it modeled? And how do you? How does it make you feel when you see that person or part of yourself, right? Like, um, what is motivating us then? And the thing about self-care is if you care for everyone else more than you care for yourself, no matter who you are, it is the, it's a breeding ground for resentment. Mm -hmm. Ultimately you will end up in a place of resentment and that's not like a finite situation, but if you, the, the, the resentment is a funny space because if you are driven and compelled to make other people comfortable, then we also end up swallowing our resentment because we don't want them to know that we resent them because we love them. And oh my God, we have to take care of them. So that becomes another layer of shame and guilt that we eat, which are really low vibrational frequencies in our consciousness. Um, So they can limit us further from really being able to have those higher good vibes only that we, you know, talk about wanting to have. Um, Taking care of yourself and prioritizing your needs is actually a way to model for other people so that they know how to love you better. So the folks who love you might kind of see you with some new boundaries and be like, girl, what? (laughs) Okay. But they will also notice you glow. They will notice your ease. They will notice you happy. They will hear the softness in your voice. Um, And that will create an energy where you are modeling this, this love frequency and it becomes an invitation for community. It becomes an invitation to be in relation, in right relationship with family. Um, choosing you first is self-care is not selfish. Um, it is a requirement and you can still have all the dreams you want and all the needs you like need. Cause you know, you just, you got to start with you. It's the I and I, you know? Yeah. Well, and one of the things I always love around it is that more self-care and more attention and attunement into you expands your capacity, that things that once felt hard aren't so hard. And actually you have capacity to do more and weirdly different from that like sort of perfectionist excellence thing you were talking about earlier, but expansion to support others, to give, to be in the ways that you actually really want to be giving into the world, not from what you think the world expects of you. Yes. Yes. I I hear you leaning into um, abundance, right. In the way of, um, and that's not, I was, I was at a conference just a couple of days ago and um, Dr. Brittany Cooper was talking about, you know, the, the trick of abundance is 
um, you, it's, you, you can't get to abundance if you don't have options. And so the power and agency that is required to see yourself as having options gives us this way that now we can open up to um, giving, right, more freely and living in an abundance lifestyle. When we're not, when we're in that limited container and we're attempting to, quote unquote, pour from an empty cup, um, you don't really have any options. You don't really feel empowered to, you know, vibrate higher and give freely and you are sick of these people and everybody else around you. And that's okay too, right? Um, and it is also okay to desire to have the power and the energy to get to that place. So there's there's definitely steps and so many different pathways of how you can come into um, your self-actualization. It I I think that the first step is really awareness of where you are and an assessment of like what is true about your current status that, um, that like uh, fearless uh, inventory of Mm -hmm. self and witnessing self without judgment, but with great compassion Um, And in celebration of the fact that um, every day something has tried to kill you and has failed. Mm. So if that is just the the seed of power that you need, then let it be that. Yeah. I haven't heard it put that way before and I'm just letting it settle into my brain, but it is true, right? Something tries to kill us every day and like you're here still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lucille Clifton said that um, there is a poem that she wrote called Celebration and she says, oh, won't you celebrate with me um, that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. And that's the the closing stanza of the poem. But it's it's a beautiful poem that's like, we made it, y'all. <laughs> we got to today. Right? Um, yeah. 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 Like wherever you are listening to this, whenever you listen to it, it's like, oh, well, you made it to today. Yeah. You made it. Yeah. And not every day has to end. My best friend told me this. She says, um, not every day has to end like an Avengers movie, friend. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I sometimes I get worked up. I still can like slip out of my soft life and, and be a go-getter and write some really aggressive to-do lists um, or to-be <laughs> lists. Um, and... But slowly but surely, it all it all comes together in the end. I just keep living. Yeah, you know. Well, what you're saying too, because it's not like there's never the perfectionists have to always deal with this part of it that we can slip back into being perfectionist, myself included. And mm-hmm. to me, it's always like, is how's your rebound time? If your yeah. rebound right, if your rebound time is short, you're doing you know that's good. But if it's like long and extended, and you're beating yourself up for days on end, that's that's mm-hmm. all we're looking to do. We're just trying to cut that a little shorter, shorter, shorter. So you can be yeah, yourself. Cause you're, you're human. Like totally. we're hu- like, we're, we're fallible, messy, stinky, fleshy, you know, aliens made of stardust that are like, we're out here tethered to a rock by an invisible force that is constantly spinning on inside a solar system, which is inside a universe that is ever expanding and 97% of that is dark matter or 93% of that is dark matter. Like when you think about it, who cares if you folded the laundry, sis? <laughs> right. Like how important is that really? Right. In the larger scheme of things and how blessed are we that we get to maybe not fold laundry so we can sit outside and enjoy a glass of wine. Right. Like if it's just that, And so the question becomes with the procrastination um, or I see that jumped out of my spirit. Procrastination was a thing that I used to um, use as a term to identify that justified my, that it like went hand in hand with the perfectionism, Mm -hmm. perfectionism and procrastination. And I have ejected that from my lexicon where I'm, or I'm working to do that, where I'm like, I'm not procrastinating 
I'm waiting to be inspired. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm waiting for the inspiration and the invitation from spirit and the universe to create the thing that is being called out of me. I can't rush that thing. I, and I know, because I know that that's how I function. It's helped me in setting expectations and also helped me to know what to say yes to and when to use my no, where I'm like, before I accept a thing, I want to build in, you know, I want to build in um, like a, a runway mm-hmm. so that I know that I have plenty of distance for me to charge up all the crystals and the time and the space and take all the naps and do all the things and get all the rest to get the thing done, mm. you know? And then I'm not in that, that mode where I'm beating myself up for taking longer um, to do a thing or for not having it done perfectly. But again, to my earlier question, like, but it is, did it get done though? You know? Yeah. And sometimes the answer is no, it didn't. It's not done. <laughs> and that's okay too. But um, yeah, the perfectionism rebound time, I'm, I'm leaning into surrender and being like, oops, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for giving me grace. You know, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for asking again. Thank you for reminding me. Not, I'm sorry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm such a hot mess. I can't, oh my God, I just like, I don't mm-hmm. talk about myself like that no more. Mm-hmm. Like, don't talk about us like that, Ed. Mm-hmm. We're not a hot mess. No, you're not a hot mess. Not at all. <laughs> you're just you just forgot a thing, you know. <laughs> so really, changing the language has been a fun game to play with myself. I love the the language change is huge, and then noticing when you resist things. Like I was reading a book on Sunday at three, and there's part of me that's always like, "Well, that's so unproductive." Or like, "Isn't there like a house thing you need to do, or whatever it is?" And I was like, "No." You just need to read your book because you want to read your book. So sit down and read your book. Yeah. Right. But noticing that conditioning, because I noticed the conditioning. Because I was kind of like, I don't really have anything to do. I'm going to read my book. And then I was like, I don't have anything to do. Is that possible? You know, and then like trying <laughs> to come up with all the things I could possibly do. And then I was uh-huh. like, well, I could do some things or I could just read my book because yeah. I'll be a better human after an hour on the couch with my book. So I did it. Yeah. Absolutely. But and it felt good, didn't it? Oh, it did. It Once felt, you got past the... Yeah, it felt great. And then I was like, because I don't... Yeah, it felt great. And it's funny because I noticed it in me, like that resistance of like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure. This is a, this is the good choice. Yeah. I love yeah. that um, that inner dialogue with, um, you know, I was... My inner dialogue was, I mean... That version of myself, that judgment, criticism, criticism part, the perfectionist part, the I'll do it all myself part. Whew, that lady is a tough cookie. And <laughs> and so sometimes I call her the gremlin, you know, gets on my shoulder and starts tell, shooting me to death what I should be doing, what I should have done, what I should say, what it should look like. Um, so learning to to respect my inner authority and my higher self knowing to say, thank you for your input and no, thank you. Mm. Right. Like, thank you for letting me know, but I don't, this is what we've chosen to do with our time today. Like, Ooh, I hear you girl. You out there being messy. Why don't you go sit down somewhere? This break is for all of us. You know, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe you wouldn't be so critical if you took a nap right now. So we're all going to go lay down. (laughs) I love that. You're like, I'm going to give you what you need. And then I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Awesome. This is this is to all of our benefit. We all need to go sit in the sun. That's what we're going to do. I Everybody come with me. Yeah. <laughs> we're all going. I love that. <laughs> well, what would you give for someone who's starting on this journey and really looking to bring it in, whether it's self-care or like dealing with that inner dialogue, what would you recommend or give as a tip for them? Is one thing they could start to work on for themselves? Hmm. This might sound, this is, um, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to qualify it. Unclench your butt cheeks. <laughs> and, and here's what I mean. I mean that in a very literal way. We 
don't realize how in our root, how tight we are from holding ourselves. And there could be trauma there. There could be stress there manifesting. We might be accommodating for some pain or discomfort. Um, It can be, but the awareness to notice if and when you are clenching your glutes and your root is tight, your sacral is sucked up there. It's like you're constantly holding yourself in a kiggle. You know what I mean? And a great place to access relaxation and rest and calm is to notice that and invite release into that space to literally soften your pelvic floor and to unclench those big muscles in our glutes and hamstrings and quads and to let that soften and breathe. Sometimes when, you know, folks say, oh, you should take four deep box breaths. You can take box breaths while your booty cheeks are clenched and it's still not relaxing you. And people are like, it's not working. I'm trying to meditate and it's not working because you're uptight, literally. That's Mm -hmm. literally where you hold the uptightness. Um, So when you do that, it's something that you can do in private. No one has to know that you are doing it. And it can be an internal body scan that just starts by unclenching your butt cheeks and allowing your pelvic floor to soften into whatever seat is holding you. And from there you have access to deeper breath. And when you draw your breath up, you can notice if your shoulders are still up too high because if your shoulders are up high, chances are you're still clenched, right? But when you soften in that place, you create a, a space of ease. Your breath will allow your mind to calm. You'll get some good clearing breaths over the vagus nerve. That'll allow your mind to calm and get clear enough after a few rounds of just soft breathing, unclenched. And then you just think about what you want to do now. Not next, but now. That's just just start there Mm. and see what comes up when you are not tight and held and clenched and you know, in a physical fist. Well, I just did it because you can just do it Mm -hmm. anytime and it was great. And I stand. Yeah. And I could feel it relaxing. So Uh you all can do it at any time. You're the first. You can do it. And you are definitely the first guest who's ever told us to do that. So I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Practice. (laughs) I've been, it's so bizarre that that's my tip, but, um, and I think I'm going to put it on a t-shirt, but I, <laughs> I love it. You totally should. <laughs> but it really is just like an easy thing that you can do to access all the stuff that starts to sound like mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, when folks, when people say, well, what are you doing for self-care? If you are in chaos or in an unsafe environment, if you are actively in trauma or in survival mode, um, self, someone suggesting self-care can of, often feel like a criticism mm. or yet another way that you are failing at something. Totally. And so I offer something as simple and as frank as unclenching your butt cheeks so that you know that it is yours. Your body is yours. Your agency of your breath is yours. And um, if you can just begin to trust yourself and bring your mind and body into alignment. Just consider all the things that become possible from there. So lovely. What a beautiful tip and really the deeper level of what's going on there. Yeah. Well, Evan, this has been such a lovely conversation and I'm so grateful that you've been here with us for this. And are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I hope so. I hope I'm good at rapid fire because sometimes (laughs) I feel long-winded. So I'm just going to say yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine are easy. So what was the last thing that you watched on television? Ooh, Human Resources on Netflix. They're new episodes. It is hilarious um, and really brilliant about parts and feelings. And you should watch it. Okay. I get really good tips from the show from what's watched because okay. people tell me it's awesome. Okay. It's a it's a vulgar it's a vulgar comedy, but it's hilarious and very real. Awesome. I love it. We yeah. all need comedies. I feel like at night that's what I need the most is to laugh. Nothing intense. Yeah. yeah. 
Do it to it. Perfect. Okay. And then what's on your nightstand? Mm, um, a small altar, a photograph of my grandmother, um, a uh, some petrified wood, water, a candle, and a wooden dish to hold my floss and cell phone. Awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then when was the last time you tried something new and what was it? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. And it's kind of stressing me out with something <laughs> new. This is, I don't, um, ah, uh, you know, I can't, I don't know. I really don't. I'm a little bit embarrassed that I can't think of the last time I tried something new, but I do have a wooble, of, um, which is a little crochet animal thing that is sitting right here under my desk. Um, and I've been saying I'm going to sit and teach myself to crochet with this, um, but I just haven't actually done it yet. So that's the, the closest I'm getting to something new. Well, now you get the prompt to do it. I get the prompt to do my wooble so that I can see <laughs> that I did a new thing. Yeah. Yes. And I bet you have. I know. It's There's no stress, no pressure on these questions. This right. one, very easy. This last one. So what are the top three most used emojis on your phone? Um, lately, it has been the, well, the, the three sparkle stars, like the magic sparkle. Mm -hmm. um, that one is is pretty intense. Um, lately it has been the new one that came with the download that looks kind of like, I call it my glitch, um, mm. because it's like the whoa face, but it's kind of blurry. Like, Oh, oh um, yeah. yeah. I see that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That face has been good. And then the, um, the, uh, the pink hearts, the two, the big heart with the little heart above it. I really mm. like that one. It's sweet. It's sweet. Um, yeah. Well, Ebony, what a, joy really to have you i love the conversation we've had it's been so rich and i know that our listeners are super grateful for it so where is the best way for people to reach you or find out more yeah um i am ebonyisisbooth.com uh, is my website and on all socials i am coach ebony said um i don't really rock with facebook too tough but you can catch me on instagram um you can go to my website um and learn more about me, see if it's a vibe, and I'd love to talk. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for yeah. being on School of Self-Worth. I know that I've benefited from this conversation, and I know for sure the same for our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Nicole. It's really been a beautiful experience and great to have these moments of reflection with you and your audience. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Without each of you, this podcast would not be in the world. If you loved what you heard today, do me a favor and leave a five-star rating and review of the show and screenshot this episode and share it on social media and tag me at Nicole Song. Every positive review and share out there makes such a big difference to helping get the word out. We are so grateful for all of your support. And if you're ready to work towards an aligned life filled with clarity and confidence, Send me a DM at Instagram at Nicole Song and let me know what resonated most from this episode. Until next time, I'm Nicole Song and this is the School of Self-Worth.